Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 3, The Coup. And in this episode, both the Scranton and Stamford offices go through team building exercises. Jim and Pam move on, and Dwight sees an opportunity. This episode's cold open sets up what will be the catalyst of the major plot point of this episode going forward. We see Michael and Pam in the little break area and they are microwaving bags of popcorn because today is movie Monday. My favorite part of the cold open is when Michael gets the movie they're watching from his safe because it probably is very important to him. Right. So Pam explains that Movie Mondays started with training videos, which made me think what sort of training videos, like sales videos or... Yeah, probably stuff like that or like just HR related things. Sure, I could see that. Then they progressed on to a medical video. She doesn't go into any more detail than that. She says they went through those pretty quick. So they decided to do half hour installments of a movie Except for one episode of Entourage, which Michael has screened for them six times. The movie the employees are watching at this time is Varsity Blues. And Michael has Kevin kind of recap what happened in the last time that they watched the movie. Mm -hmm. And it is at this moment when Jan shows up. Jan has decided to drop in unexpectedly on the Scranton branch. She walks into the office and no one is there. And she's sort of confused at that point. Then she spots Angela and Angela just points to the conference room. The next shot we have is Jan really letting Michael have it for thinking that Movie Monday could increase productivity. Meanwhile, at the Stamford branch, the employees there have their own team building exercise and it's playing Call of Duty on... Their work computers, it appears. I do not understand how this would be a team building exercise. I I guess I kind of do. Like you are working together and you have to communicate with each other. But I also don't see how this is any different than watching a movie. Agree. I do not see the difference but for the fact that Jan did not unexpectedly drop in on Stanford rather than Scranton. I guess if there is a small case to be made, it's the fact that the employees are actually like working together to achieve a goal sure. with this game but it is still like completely unrelated to work like there is no redeeming qualities from this other than we work t- together to do this thing sure stanford is crazy intense about call of duty They all love it. Apparently anyone can signal for it by just turning down the lights and closing the blinds. And then that's what they all do. Side note, we do get a couple shots of the rest of the people in Stanford. So far, we've really only met Karen and Andy and Josh, the manager. 
Jim is not very good at Call of Duty. He does not seem to be picking up. And he says that in Scranton, they didn't really play much many video games. Instead, he gave an example of some of the pranks that him and Pam would pull on Dwight as the sort of games they did in Scranton. And Jim not being very good at Call of Duty has become a problem for some people. Yes. And... Josh, at one point, calls both Andy and Jim into his office in a very serious manner. And you expect it to be something like, hey, you guys messed up this sale or whatever. No, it's about how badly they are losing at Call of Duty. And they talk strategy and like... They have like, figures yeah, he's, on the board. Yeah, he's drawn on the whiteboard and everything. And it comes to be known that Jim is, is really the cause of them not being very good at this. I just would like to point out a little bit of a parallel here between Jim and Angela. So Dwight informs the camera crew that in regards to Movie Monday, some people in the office don't approve. He won't name names, but some people don't approve. The next talking head is with Angela and she says, it's me. I don't approve of Movie Monday. She's against it for time wasting. So Jim has different reasons for not really enjoying Call of Duty. He's just not good at it and he doesn't understand this obsession. But they're sort of two sides of the same coin in that they're the one person in the office that just isn't sold on what everyone else is doing. So they're sort of that outlier there. Because when Josh calls Andy and Jim into his office, Jim has no idea at first what he is even talking about. Like Curtis said, Josh is wanting to talk sort of strategy. He's asking Jim what sort of gun he's using, all these other questions. And then they realize, I've never played the game, so I don't know the point of it or anything. But I guess Jim is using the wrong weapon. I don't know. Andy gets real intense when Jim answers incorrectly. And as we'll see in future episodes, this is the type of guy he is. He just takes things... A couple steps too far. For and sure. And he says to Jim, I will literally shoot you <laughs> because he is not helping them succeed in this game. Somewhat surprisingly, Karen is also pretty into the game. And how bad Jim is at the game has become kind of a point of amusement to her. Almost to the point to where it's cute to her. Can we talk about the setup of the Stanford branch real quick? Because this sort of plays into that a little bit. So this would drive me nuts, but the Stanford branch is set up not by desk clumps like it is in Scranton, but just rows. Yeah. So Jim sits behind Andy and Karen sits behind Jim. It would drive me nuts if people could see my screen like that. So... Karen can see Jim's screen during Call of Duty. I believe they're playing for different teams. At this moment, it, in this moment in the, the episode, yes, it does look like they are. Okay. So Jim is struggling to turn his guy around. Uh, he's stuck in some bunker or hole or something, I guess. And doesn't know how to tap the keys to turn around. Side note, Curtis... I thought Call of Duty was, like, on a play box thing. It is also on that, but most video games that you can play on a console 
you can also play on a PC. Okay, okay. So you could play Oregon Trail on a play box? Maybe. I'm sure <laughs> there's a way to do that somewhere. It's not necessarily the other way around Okay. all the time. But yes, I'm sure somewhere out there you can find an or- Oregon Trail type game. Gotcha. Okay, so they're on their computers. Jim's struggling to turn around. Karen tells him the correct keys to tap. Correct. And the way she knows this, I guess I assume, is from one, she can see his computer screen, but two, she is the person on her she POV. Can, she can see, yes, in her first person. Yeah. That, yes, she can see Jim just like jumping Certainly. up in a corner, facing the corner. Yeah. Okay, so then she gets him to turn around. And then shoots him in the game. Right. In the game. And Jim kind of turns to her, gives her a look, and then turns back to his desk and says, psychopath. Right. (laughs) Just because she sort of had fun with it and takes the game super intensely. Right. And right after this moment, you do get this kind of like, uh, not forlorning look, but like a... A look of infatuation, if you will, from Karen mm-hmm. at Jim. A little smile. Yeah. Which, let's let's just pretend we only know Jim from Karen's point of view. Yeah. New guy comes into the office, tall, seems cute, don't know much about him, but he's got a goofy, fun personality. She knows absolutely nothing about his life. In Scranton before mm-hmm. this. Probably doesn't know very much about him beyond his name is Jim and he transferred from Scranton. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a crush developing on Karen's end. And I would argue that maybe there's a little bit of a crush back from Jim. What would what say you, Curtis? I would agree with that. Towards the very end of the episode... Jim is shown like packing up for the day and leaving and he's almost walking. He walks to the door and he turns around. He does like a fake grenade toss at Karen. And so he is kind of, this is kind of the start of just like the kind of a playful type banter thing. Yeah, inside jokey thing. Right. That you see, that we saw with, Jim and Pam, mm-hmm. and so I think it is fair to say we are starting to see those things be established between Jim and Karen. And in last episode, we still saw that yearning from Jim and the remembering of the friendship between him and Pam. And we get that a little bit, like we said, he reminisced about playing pranks on Dwight with Pam. Mm-hmm. But I think. At this point, Jim is just so fully committed to turning over the new leaf and starting the new life. And maybe he's seeing a little bit of a glimmer of hope for that with Karen. Right. Meanwhile, back in Scranton, Pam is going through her own transitions. She states that Kelly really likes to online shop and Pam just wanted some new clothes to... And she kind of struggles to articulate this. Yeah, as to why. As to why she wants new clothes. But she basically comes to after-work clothes that aren't her pajamas. I think we can read into that statement and 
say that she wants new clothes to go on dates with, probably. I think so. Or just to kind of feel better about herself mm-hmm. and not, you know, basically not change from, as she said, change from work clothes into pajamas and that's all she wears. Yeah, so I think it's also interesting that her friendship with Kelly is sort of taking on a new dimension because Jim is not there, she kind of has to have other people in the office to interact with. Right. And it seems at first as though that person is Kelly. Kelly set her up on a blind date in last episode. They're doing some online shopping, but they also could not be more different. Kelly encourages Pam to do a fashion show at lunch to show off the new clothes because also Pam got the stuff delivered to the office. Which Mm -hmm. is still kind of a common thing, especially if you live in an apartment or if you don't want it on your in front of your door at home. And Pam is horrified at the thought of doing a fashion show at lunch. But Kelly talks her into it by essentially doing a cheer for her. Just chanting fashion show, fashion show at lunch over and over. Pam obliges and I believe Phyllis and Meredith also take part in this fashion show. Right. Roy factors in slightly here. He is still trying to formulate his plan to win Pam back. Part of the plan seems to be coming upstairs as much as possible. Stay seen, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because he happens to just walk into the kitchen area while Pam is modeling her new shirt. Really likes it, says she looks nice. He's trying to be respectful. Pam doesn't take the bite there. Then Kelly sort of snarkily points out that this is like Roy's third soda of the day. And I think it is this interaction with Roy that kind of maybe gives Pam a little confidence because even while she is showing off this shirt that she has, she still is like, I don't know. Like, this just isn't me, Mm -hmm. even though Meredith and Kelly and Phyllis are all like, you look great. Like, you know, you should definitely keep it. And she's, Pam is still like, I'm gonna take it back. But after this interaction with Roy, we see Pam wearing that shirt mm-hmm. in like, yeah, she keeps the, the shirt on in the office. Pam's normal clothes are just long sleeve button up blouses in neutral colors. Yeah, in sort of neutral pale tones. The shirt she ordered is a short sleeve v neck top in a magenta color with some ruffles on it. Very cute. Very of the time because um, it kind of has an empire waist as well. I, I think we have a firing here in relation to Pam's new clothes. Most definitely. As Curtis says, she decided to leave the shirt on for the rest of the day. As she's just sitting at her desk doing her work, Creed comes up and just stands there and stares. Pam says, what do you need? He says, nothing, just looking. She grows uncomfortable, asks him to go back to his desk, and Creed responds, another minute. So Creed is definitely fired for sexual harassment, hostile work environment. Absolutely. And this shirt isn't like, it's not like Pam's showing off a ton of cleave here. Like it's just a deep V shirt. And it's really not even that deep of a V. Like it's just, 
it is not the button-up shirt that Pam usually wears. Yeah, and I don't know why Pam is such the punching bag for sexual harassment. It's just awful. Um, there's not a lot of women in the office, I guess. And then if Angela is, you know, you just think about some of the other ladies, not that they're not beautiful. It's their personalities are off-putting right? in some respects. Save for these minor notes, the majority of this episode centers around the fallout from Movie Monday. As we said, Jan has shown up in the middle of Movie Monday and is just livid with Michael as to why this would be an acceptable activity in the office. In my mind, especially because the threat of downsizing is still there. Right. Dwight tells the camera crew that he has a theory as to why Jan would just be so irate with Michael. Ever since Michael dumped Jan for Carol... Jan's been bitching out on him. Reject a woman and she will never let it go. One of the many defects of their kind. Also weak arms. Kind of sexist. For sure, for sure. As the two people in the office that didn't really agree with the premise of Movie Monday, Dwight and Angela are now kind of in this position to where they see that Jan clearly does not approve of this. And so some changes need to be made. Particularly Angela. She is the most vocal about this, but not vocal to the group. She is vocal to Dwight as her boyfriend. She has this immense wealth of confidence and belief in Dwight. She does not have that in Michael. And she does not approve of Michael's jokes, demeanor, anything. With good reason, honestly. So she encourages Dwight to talk to Jan, to tell Jan that he disapproves, he doesn't think Michael is good for this branch. And Angela is fearful for her job, and she's fearful for the entire branch. She can see the bigger picture a little bit here, even if this is not really the best way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So she encourages Dwight to essentially... Angle for the managerial position for the branch. Which he pushes back on. Yes. Because he's so loyal. Yes. Dwight is very much in a tough position here because, as you said, he is very loyal to Michael. But he not only sees Angela's point, but this is what he has wanted. And he really likes Angela. Right. So he eventually does call Jan and arranges a meeting like an hour outside of Scranton because that's where Jan already is. Yes. He tells her to go to the Liz Claiborne outlet and to wait for him. Right. So Dwight gets the meeting set, and he goes to Michael and says, Hey, I gotta go. I'm going to the dentist. And Michael is occupied by like reading a magazine or something. So he's just like, oh, wow, that, that's that's terrible. And Dwight keeps adding these, right. adding these details as one generally does whenever they, like if you have ever called in sick to work and you weren't really sick, you just kind of wanted the day off. Like it's happened to me before where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I just don't feel good. 
I think it's a stomach bug. I woke up this morning and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, just say, I hey, I just you don't feel sick. good. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do. So he keeps adding these details. And Michael, again, still is distracted. And he's like, oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, three hours, huh? Well, all right. I guess I'll see you later. Like, Whereas anymore, I feel like if you have an appointment or whatever, you just insert it on your time card or clear it with your manager and you go like it doesn't need to be this big to do right so dwight takes off and he meets up with jan and they appear to meet at a denny's type diner uh because jan has ordered just a coffee but dwight has ordered a full-size breakfast for like two people pancakes and waffles (laughs) and he just lays it out there He tells her he can save the branch if she lets him. He says that Michael is not good for the branch. And Jan says, huh, tell me more. Seems like you feel really strongly about this if you're speaking to me in this way. And she does not let on that she does not agree at all. This is not something that she's taking seriously. She does not take Dwight seriously. In fact, when Dwight called her, she says, if you have concerns, you tell them to Michael. He tells them to me so we never have to speak. She is not interested in interacting with Dwight. And it appears that he leaves the meeting not knowing which way Jan is going. There's no set sort of resolution in that she's saying she agrees or that we'll have a discussion or you're right or anything that would indicate to Dwight that this has been a successful takeover. Right. During their meeting, there is no indication whether Jan feels one way or the other. She does at least play it off as if this is an idea. Like this could be something because especially in the moment where she has just walked in on everybody watching a movie she probably is susceptible to think that, you know what? Maybe it is time for a change. Yeah, maybe Michael's managerial skills aren't that great. But it seems like she immediately calls Michael. Yes. Yeah. Um, Almost, it does seem that, yes. Pretty much right after she gets done with the meeting with Dwight, she calls Michael and tells him, I just had a meeting with Dwight. He thinks he should be the manager. Get your people in order. Get control of your branch. You can't have anyone undermining you. This is a you problem. And Michael is obviously shocked at this news. And he is just very weird about how he handles handles it. Although it is very Michael in how he does handle it. Because he is not direct at all. Recall in season two when he had to fire Devin. Yes. (laughs) So Dwight comes back in and Michael is just kind of stewing out in the, the larger area of the office. And he's by Ryan's desk and he just is very monotone with how he's talking to Dwight. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And he tries to catch him in a trap. Yes. So he offers Dwight some (laughs) M&Ms. And Dwight's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. And Michael's just like, you know, you sure? They're really good. <laughs> and they're just M&M's. Like, they're, I'm sure Dwight's there's had nothing, M&M's. There's nothing before. special about them. Maybe. Yeah. They're peanut M&M's. And 
he eventually talks Dwight into having some M&Ms. And Michael's like, but I thought you couldn't eat for three hours after you got a crown. And Dwight not so quickly responds, oh, it's a new type of bonding. It dries really quickly. And Michael's like, well, let me see your teeth. (laughs) Which is such a gross. Yeah. And so he just looks in Dwight's mouth. And Michael is clearly not satisfied in this, but he leaves it at that point from there. So Dwight is somewhat under the impression that, all right, we're past that. Michael later calls Dwight into his office and does some of the worst acting I have ever seen. (laughs) And is just like, oh, oh, man, like just literally making noises like that. And he's like, I just got off the phone with Jan and she told me I've been demoted. And actually, I'm being demoted to your position. And Dwight is reacting. He is trying his very, very best to not be overjoyed in this because it appears his plan has worked. That is definitely what Dwight thinks. And Michael informs Dwight that he should be receiving a call from Jan any moment to tell him that he's going to be promoted to acting manager of the Scranton branch. And Dwight is just so overcome with joy And Michael keeps telling him that he's so happy, but he's surprised, and he's been so loyal to him all these years. And he does end up telling Dwight that he thinks he should take it, because I think Michael thinks that that will sort of spur some confession out of Dwight. Right, or when when Michael plays the loyalty card, that yes, Dwight will kind of be like, you know, I... I couldn't take this job from you. Exactly. Dwight has no such reservations and immediately says, that's great. I'll keep you on. I couldn't imagine this place without you. So Michael says, well, I guess we better tell the rest of the office. And Dwight has just taken on this authoritative role. He says, nope, not until I'm ready, Mike. And it it just is, he will not be pushed around here. And I think it's telling like the him calling him Mike because nobody calls him Mike except for Daryl right and so Michael announces to the office hey Dwight's the new acting manager and everybody is just like why him what no one what, is thrilled what makes Dwight the most qualified person to have this job and Michael says well he's been loyal he never lies right Dwight never lies. And Stanley says, is that really the qualification? And Michael says, yep, that's all it takes. So he's just really trying to lay it on thick to sort of guilt Dwight into this. Later, Dwight is seen in what is now his office, Michael's office, office, in the manager's office. And he's kind of arranging his desk. And Michael hands over the keys to Dwight literally in this sense because he says here you go here's the last part of it here's the sebring it's a company lease it's yours and dwight's like no i'm good i don't want that and this is what triggers mike it is the breaking point here 
Michael cannot stand to have his Sebring convertible made fun of. For some reason, that is what does it here. Right. It is at this moment that Michael reveals that he knows. He's known the whole time. And Dwight just crumbles and grovels to Michael for his forgiveness. He is sobbing, begging. At one point, he is lying completely flat on the floor, face down, just begging Michael to forgive him, to let him keep his job, saying he's so sorry he'll do his laundry. Michael says, I have a laundry machine for that. Sort of on a dime, Michael says, get up. And there's just that scene of Rain Wilson just plays it so well. The physical comedy he does is so good in the scene of Dwight groveling. And Michael says, hug it out, bitch. <laughs> he says, that's what men do after a fight. They just hug it out. And it really doesn't make any sense in this context or in any context, really. But that's it. That's that's. That's Michael's response to Dwight essentially angling to take his job is just hug it out. Oh, kind of. Sure. We do see a little bit later that Michael's like, well, I guess I wasn't completely <laughs> over this. He's still mad. Right. He makes Dwight stand on a stack of paper boxes, essentially, with a sign around his neck that says liar. And... He also says that he did take Dwight's offer and Dwight has to do his laundry for the year. For a year, yep. Which will come back a little bit later in season three. So with that, let's go to the annex with Antoinette and we'll find out any fun facts about this episode. So a few fun facts here. Uh, One, Angela's storyline was sort of modeled after Lady Macbeth in the Shakespearean play Macbeth. Um, haven't really fully read it or seen it, but apparently Lady Macbeth is a cunning woman. Uh, she is the muscle behind the power of the man and is, is encouraging her husband uh, to take power. I, I don't think that's Macbeth. I think it's her son. She oh. pushes her son to okay. kill her husband to become king. Okay. And because of the spot thing, the blood is on her hands. So she can't wash the spot off of her hand. I can't remember the direct quote. I don't know. But it's a the woman behind the man sort of, uh, sort of storyline. Rashida Jones, who plays Karen, she got some Call of Duty training from the writers because the writers were super into Call of Duty uh, in order to do those scenes. And lastly, this episode actually didn't get a ton of great reviews overall. So as this season was unfolding and airing, a lot of the critical reception was in regards to the the Stamford storyline. Why do we why are we supposed to believe that a documentary crew who had been solely interested in Scranton up to this point, why do they care about one member of that branch that went to Stamford and now we're That's a good point. following Stamford. So legit and people were just more surprised um that Jim's season two ending confession 
didn't elicit more from the Jim Pam storyline. They were just shocked that that's where it was going to end by him just leaving. Um, so as it played out, this was not most the most popular, and I'd be curious to see what the reviews are for the upcoming season three episodes. I'm curious if it was like the Ross and Rachel effect, like yeah. there was, oh, they just they ended. yeah they kissed. And now they are going to be together. And it's like, well, that's not how it always happens. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and that show, that show being Friends, did the will they, won't they, their entire run, pretty much. And I think people, like you said, so this is five years later from when Friends ended. So maybe people had expected this to just continue on, but not be so separate. Because Jim and Pam really are separate. There's not the calling each other, anything like that, you know? Yeah. So that's it for the annex. So I think we just had the one firing. Or do you think we have two? There is definitely two. Michael has to go because of Movie Monday. Like... Sure. There's, yeah, you're there's, right. there's no way... He's also, not gone for that. And I forgot to say this earlier. Toby is in Movie Monday. I didn't, what is I didn't Toby, even think about that. What is his role there? That's just poor HR uh, management from there. Does Dwight go for staging a coup? I don't think so. I mean, it's not like he he just talked to his boss's boss. It's not like he did any like saboteur or anything. Right. So Michael's fired. It's his third firing this season, his 16th overall. Michael is three for three. Three for three in this season, yeah. Not a great start. And Creed, as we said earlier, is also fired. It's his first firing. So it's his first this season, first overall. So there's another person out. Yes. Do you have a Dundee to give out? Yes, my Dundee for most intense coworker goes to Andy. He is just so over the top about everything and his that's his character. Um, and that will continue on. He mellows out a little bit in later seasons, spoiler alert, I guess. But he is mostly just this crazy intense everything's to the extreme sort of guy. Do you think they had that planned that he stayed on? No, that he, I mean, we may as well get to it. Later in this season? When he punches the wall? Yeah, he goes to anger management. So do you think that they eventually planned on writing that in? Or that was just circumstance because, oh, we have to figure out a way to get him out of the season for a little bit because he's going to go make a movie. I My guess is that a circumstance, but I don't know that for a fact yet. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the most restraint, and that goes to everyone in the Scranton office except for Angela and Michael, because everybody, when Pam's like, hey, here's all this popcorn, do you want it? <laughs> Nobody says yes. Only Michael does. Yeah, so she has an entire tray full of uh, microwave popcorn bags. And I think that popcorn is probably the most addictive snack pretty close it's for me it's between popcorn and chips and salsa where if it's there i'm just gonna keep eating it i do love machine popcorn not necessarily as much as microwave or 
I don't love microwave as much as machine. That's right. what I'm trying to say. Yes. Machine popcorn's so good. Who is your employee of the month? I guess my employee of the month is Angela for actually doing work when everyone else in the office, including the HR representative, was watching a movie. What about you? My employee of the month is Jan because she got some really great deals on some new clothes <laughs> and jewelry at the Ann Taylor and Liz Claiborne, and Liz Claiborne outlets. Yes. The, one of the best lines in this episode come from the interaction uh, between Jan and Dwight, where he says, I know you love Liz Claiborne's. And she's like, how do you know that? It's my job to know Dwight. It's officially not your job to know that information. And so he, but he thinks that. He thinks any aspect of anybody's life that is any in any way tied to Dunder Mifflin is under his purview. Well, I feel like it was, it's not necessarily that aspect as much as it is Michael is interested in Jan. So it is Dwight's job to make Michael's life as easy as possible. So he learns all these things about Jan just so he can tell Dwight and be like, hey, oh, it's Jan's birthday coming up. You should get her this. She wears this size. She likes these blouses. She likes the blouses from this store. You're probably right. (laughs) So that does it for this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and comment just to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.